into God's Word today. I'm looking forward to studying the Bible together. You can go ahead and find a seat today. And we are coming to the end of our series that we've been in this summer in the book of Galatians. And next week will be the final week, the grand finale of our study in Galatians. So don't miss it. And I'm really looking forward to that. And I wanted to throw in one more announcement this morning that we didn't get to mentioned in the announcement section, but I'm really looking forward to our marriage retreat coming up on September 17th and 18th. It's going to be a great time together. Pastor Kerry Schmidt from Connecticut is flying in uh, to bring the sessions to us, and I really believe that you will be encouraged, that you'll, edi- that you'll be edified, that your marriage will be strengthened and sharpened in our time together. There's going to be three uh, powerful sessions, Friday night and then two on Saturday morning. And uh, we're staying in Palm Desert, California at a beautiful hotel. And uh, you can get registered online and uh, just a few uh, more days uh, until the price uh, jumps up. And uh, so we're looking forward to that marriage retreat. And I want to encourage you to get registered. It's going to be a great time together. And you might be thinking, well, I don't know, i got to find babysitters. And I don't know if it's quite in the budget. And let me just say, I believe it's worth the investment. It's worth the time. It's worth uh, the, the, uh, the planning that might, go in, uh, that might go into it. It's worth it uh, to invest into your marriage. And the devil wants nothing more than to disrupt your marriage. And in case you haven't realized, he is on the prowl and he is constantly seeking to devour and to destroy our lives and marriages. And he wants to bring down the home. And uh, the Bible gives us so many principles about how we can stand strong. And so I want to encourage you uh, to be there for that. Get registered and uh, looking forward to that. Galatians chapter 5 today is where we're going to be. If you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to go there. Galatians chapter 5. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, there should be some Bibles in the seat backs in front of you. And you can also use a phone. Most of the supplemental verses will be on the screen today. And I'm looking forward to diving into God's word together. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16. If you're there, would you say amen? amen? This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Everybody say, and such like and all that stuff. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. This morning, I want to bring a message that I'm calling, How to Win Within. How to Win Within. Let's have a word of prayer together. Lord, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you for this opportunity to come together 
and to study your word. God, we believe that your word is true, that your word is infallible, it is inspired. God, we believe that this morning we're not just studying an old ancient textbook, but that we are studying your word written to us. And God, I pray that we would lean into your word. God, I pray that there would nothing, that there would be nothing in our lives that would be a distraction for us today to hear your word. I pray that we would recognize that it's not about what we think or how we feel, but about the truth of your word. God, I pray that if there's someone today that is struggling, that is battling a war within, that they would learn how to get victory. And we can leave this place with confidence, knowing what your word says about spiritual victory. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. I remember several years ago, I took my young daughter at the time, Liv, uh, to go to Universal Studios. And she was just, uh, I think, two years old at the time. And we decided we were going to go have a family day at Universal Studios. And I remember growing up, I used to love going to Universal Studios and taking the Backlot Tour. How many of you have ever been on the Backlot Tour at Universal Studios? It's a lot of fun because they take you behind the scenes. And they show you where some of the movies are filmed and where some of the famous shows are filmed. And they take you by different sound stages. And uh, the buildings look a lot like this. And uh, these sound stages look pretty boring and mundane on the outside. But on the inside, if you've ever been in one, a whole nother world is taking place, right? A whole new scene and a whole nother world is taking place on the inside. And so we took Liv to Universal Studios and uh, we went on the Backlot Tour. And if you've ever been on the Backlot Tour, they take you inside one of the sound stages. And inside that sound stage, there's this whole battle that takes place between King Kong and, and a T-Rex and, and uh, this, this intense war. And King Kong kind of grabs the tram and everything starts shaking and there's sparks flying everywhere. Well, that is a traumatic experience for a two-year-old to go through. And so we went through uh, that backlog tour and Liv had no idea what to expect. Just going in this sound stage, just kind of looking innocent. And we get in there and there was this epic battle raging taking place. And I looked over at her and she was screaming at the top of her lungs, just face all red. That is quite... Uh, the traumatic experience. You know, on the outside of that building, it looked completely calm, non-eventful, but on the inside, there was this epic battle uh, that was taking place. And this morning, I want you to know that it doesn't matter how you look on the outside. You might look calm on the outside, but all of us have a battle that is raging on the inside. It's not a battle that we can choose to avoid. All of us will fight in this battle, and it will be the toughest battle that we will ever fight in life. And the battle that I'm talking about is this battle between the flesh and the spirit. Uh, this, this battle that wages within, this war that wages within. Verse 17 puts it this way. If you have your Bible in Galatians chapter 5, Paul uh, is talking uh, about this battle against the flesh. And he says in verse 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. And so there is this battle taking place between the flesh and the spirit. R.C. Sproul said this, the great triad of enemies for Christian growth contained the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so if we're going to get victory in our spiritual lives, we have to understand that it starts on the inside and then it works his way to the outside. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. He said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, the, the spirit is willing. Sometimes we want to do the right things and we have a desire to go down the right path and the spirit is willing. But how many of you know the flesh is weak? And I believe that uh, the key to spiritual victory is an awareness of our weakness. To understand that our flesh 
is weak and that our flesh wants to uh, satisfy those fleshly desires. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said this in, in The Cost of Discipleship. He said, the real difference in the believer who follows Christ and has mortified his will and died after the old man in Christ is that he is more clearly aware than other men of the rebelliousness and the perennial pride of the flesh. He is conscious of his sloth and self-indulgence and knows that his arrogance must be eradicated. Hence, there is a need for daily self-discipline. He said, we have to become fully aware of this battle that is raging within. Uh, Dan, if you can come up here and, and bring that rope with you. So often we have this war that's taking place uh, within. And it's the war between the flesh and the spirit. And it feels something kind of like this. Dan, if you can grab one side. And uh, Daniel is going to represent the flesh. And I'll represent the spirit. And so often this is what it feels like on the inside, that the spirit is willing and we want to go the right path and we want to be kind to our neighbor and we're kind of pulling this way. But a lot of times the flesh is pulling back and the flesh is saying, no, you can respond and, and be angry and get even. But the spirit is saying, no, we need to go to church on Sunday and we need to be faithful and serving. And the flesh is kind of pulling back. But the spirit is stronger than the flesh and the flesh keeps on pulling back. And, and there's this constant battle that takes place between the flesh and the spirit. And here's the most difficult part. Everybody tracking with me this morning? Here's the most difficult part part. Notice what it says at the end of verse 17. Do you see it? Verse 17. He says at the very end of the verse, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Here's what that means. The spirit indeed is willing. And a lot of times we want to go down the right path and we want to make the right choices. And the spirit is willing, but he says you cannot do the things that you would because the flesh is so powerful. That, that even the things that we want to do and the things that we know are right to do, so often we don't do them because the flesh is that strong. And so the question that I have for us today is how then do we get spiritual victory? How do we win within? Because the answer is not willpower. The answer is not try harder because he says at the end of verse 17, you can pull as hard as you can. You can try as hard as you can in your own strength. But he says you cannot do the things that you would. And so how then do we win within? Because make no mistake about it, everyone that's sitting in this room, everyone that's watching online, we are all in this battle, the flesh versus the spirit. So how are we going to get spiritual victory? Well, to answer that question, we have to dive deeper into Paul's words in Galatians chapter 5. And today what I want to do is I want to give us three simple ways that we can win within. Would that be okay this morning? Three simple ways that we can win within. Number one is this. If you want to win within, you've got to deal with the source. You've got to deal with the source. A lot of times when problems arise in our lives and when we battle against temptation in our flesh, we deal with the surface issue. We deal with the symptom rather than getting to the source. And what Paul is going to talk about is how we can uh, win within by dealing with the source. Back in 2016, there was a phone that was coming out that was highly anticipated. It was the Galaxy Note. I believe it was uh, the Galaxy Note 7. And everyone was excited about this phone. The phone came out. Many people bought it. One problem. The phone started to explode, literally. Uh, we have a picture today. The battery, there was something faulty with the battery, and the phone would actually explode. How many of you would say, that would be a problem if you were talking to someone on the phone, all of a sudden your battery just explodes. And so there was a, there was a problem with the manufacturing of this phone. Uh, the problem was not with the retail so uh, stores that were selling this phone. 
You couldn't just walk into Best Buy and say, why'd you make the phone this way? They didn't make the phone. The problem was at uh, the factory level. And what I want you to know today is that if you want to get victory over your flesh, you have to learn to do a factory recall on your sin. You have to learn to get to the factory level. You have to learn to get to the source and deal with the source. And rather than just putting a temporary Band-Aid on your problems and on your struggles and on your sins, identify what is the source. What's at the heart of the matter? The Bible puts it this way in Proverbs 4.23. Keep thine heart or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Are the issues of life. See, the human heart is the factory of our flesh. And all of the issues flow from the factory. And so we have to learn to deal with the source. Now, if we want to do that, there's two things that we have to understand. We have to understand the command that Paul is going to give. I want you to see it. I want you to notice the command in verse 16. Everybody with me? He says in verse 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You want to get victory? Walk in the spirit. You want to defeat temptation? Learn to walk in the spirit. Uh, You want to stop thinking those wrong thoughts? Learn to walk in the spirit. See, if you are a Christian, this is something that, that we have to understand this morning. If you have Uh, decided to follow Jesus, and you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, good news, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit took up residence in your life. And you have to understand, a lot of Christians and a lot of people are confused about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a force, like in Star Wars, like just kind of a a feeling that you get sometimes. Uh, The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is a person. And to be more specific, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity. And when you got saved, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life. And that's good news, that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to uh, guide you into righteousness and to instruct you and to lead you into the way of righteousness. And that's good news. Anybody thankful today that we have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit within us and so that we can live a life of godliness because... The Holy Spirit lives within us. There's one indwelling, but there's many fillings. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Nothing can change that. Uh, When you got saved, you were baptized in the Spirit. You were uh, welcomed into the family of God. But the Bible says in Ephesians 5 that we are to be filled with the Spirit. That that we are to walk in the Spirit. Now, the Greek word for walk is peripateo. And it means to uh, follow along closely. Preston, jump up here for a second. Let's give it up for Preston. Come on, Preston, hurry. Come on, jump up here. Parapateo. It means to follow, uh, follow ar- around closely. And so, Preston, I want you just to kind of walk around this stage quickly, okay? And so my job, parapateo, to walk with someone is to follow uh, very closely. Keep on walking, Preston. And uh, you're going to follow real close. It's not to lag behind and, okay, you know, the Spirit's kind of leading, but I'm kind of busy doing what I want to do. No, it's, it's to follow. Cl- Keep on walking, Preston. Where are you going? And, and, and so you're going to follow along. You're not going to get out ahead uh, of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to kind of lag behind. Preston, keep on walking. The Holy Spirit's always moving, Preston. You can't stay stagnant. Okay, so uh, you're following along with and constantly going. That's the idea. Let's give it up for Preston. Parapateo. It means to, to, to walk in step with the Spirit. That's what we're to do with the Holy Spirit. Now, you might be wondering, well, how do I do that? How do I walk in step with the Spirit? And how we walk in step with the Spirit is to understand his word, to understand the word of God, and to pray on a daily basis, Lord, fill me today with your Spirit. Uh, Use me today. Fill me with your Spirit and guide me in the way that you want me to go. Ephesians 5.20, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with 
the Spirit. The idea is continuation, be, being filled with the Spirit, continually asking the Holy Spirit to fill you. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not a once-a-day thing. It's a moment-by-moment moment thing. It's a moment-by-moment moment thing. Lord, fill me with your spirit. I don't want to satisfy the desires of the flesh. I want to be filled with the spirit. And sometimes you can be filled with the spirit, and you're driving along, and you're listening to a great worship song, and then someone cuts you off, and all of a sudden you're no longer filled in the spirit. Uh, you are filled with the flesh, right? And guess what you need to do? You need to get filled with the spirit again, and you need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. And so walking in the spirit. Everybody tracking? Romans 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, flesh, you shall die. But if you live through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body. Ye shall live. See, sin is strong, but the Holy Spirit is stronger. And what we have to do is deal with the source, and we do that by being filled with the Spirit and staying in alignment with His will. Uh, there was a new technology that came out a few years ago. And uh, it's called hypersonic sound. And maybe some of our sound team, maybe you've heard of this, hypersonic sound. And it's where you can send sound into very specific locations. Just like you can shine a flashlight and the beam of light will go to a very specific location. With this hypersonic sound, you can send sound to a precise location. And if you're not in alignment with the source, you're not going to hear the sound. I think we have a picture this morning. So you can be very close to where that sound is coming. But if you are not standing in alignment with the sound, if you're just outside of it, you're not going to hear anything that's going on. And I think so often we get frustrated in life. Because we feel as though God is being silent. And we're not hearing a message from God. And we're not hearing a word from God. And we're not, we're not feeling the things that we used to feel. And we're getting so frustrated. But maybe it's because we are not in alignment with the source. Maybe we have stepped outside of the alignment. And we are seeking to fulfill the desires of our flesh. And what we need to do is to step back into alignment with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. To study his word. And guess what? You will hear what God wants you to hear. And you will see what God wants you to see. And you will be able to go where God wants you to go. Does anybody believe today that? it's not about our will, but it's about aligning our will with God's will, getting connected to the source. We've got to be in alignment with the word of God. And we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God to deal with the source. And so we have to make sure that we are dealing with the source and walking in the spirit. But I want you to see verse 17. Now he's going to talk about the conflict. So not only the command, but the conflict. In verse 17, he says this, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. The things you want to do, you can't do, because the flesh is strong. And this is a battle that we face on a daily basis. And by the way, this battle infiltrates every area of our lives. One author, Dave Harvey, he talked about how this battle infiltrates marriages. And this is what he says. He says, what if you abandoned the idea that the problems and weakness in your marriage are caused by a lack of information, dedication, or communication. See, a lot of times in marriage counseling, a lot of times when a marriage is struggling, it's, well, they're not communicating with me, and, and uh, uh, they're not uh, uh, loving me as much as they should, and they're not communicating, they're not giving me the right information. But I want you to know those things could be true, but those are surface-level issues. He says, what if you abandoned that idea? What if you saw your problems as they truly are? Caused by a war within your heart. If a husband or wife walks in the flesh, not the spirit, then there will be devastating results. Both, both people must deal with their own hearts if they want to live in harmony. What is he saying? He's saying, yes, there's going to be some surface level problems. Yes, there's going to be some uh, lack of communication. There's going to be mistakes that are made. But ultimately, it's an issue of the heart. Are you right with God? 
Are you connected to the source? Are you following God's will? Because let me tell you, the closer that you get to God, the closer that you will be together in your marriage, in your relationships. It's all about getting in alignment with the source. Everybody tracking with me this morning? And so we've got to deal with the source. Now, here's the second way that we can win within. Number two is this. You've got to inspect the fruit. You've got to inspect the fruit. How many of you have ever eaten fruit that was sour or not ripe? Maybe it was rotten. Anybody like that? How many of you have ever eaten sour or rotten watermelon? Not, not good at all, right? It's disgusting. You want to spit it right back out. It's important to uh, inspect the fruit, examine the fruit to make sure that it's ripe and, and ready. Now, you might be wondering, okay, point number one, deal with the source, okay? I've got to get to the heart of the matter. I've got to be walking with the spirit, okay? Walk in the spirit. You will not fulfill the desires of your flesh, okay? I want to walk with the spirit by being filled with the spirit. But then the next question is, how do I know that it's working? Or how do I know that I'm walking in the spirit? Because the truth is, you can wake up and you can pray in the morning, Lord, fill me with your spirit today. And guess what? You might not feel a thing. Because your faith is not about a feeling. Because your feelings lie to you. And so never base your decisions or your uh, big moments in life on, on based on a feeling, right? And uh, so you might wake up and like, man, I prayed to be filled with the spirit, but I didn't feel anything. I didn't get any goosebumps. I didn't get any warm and fuzzy feelings on the inside. And so I don't know. Maybe it's not working. How do I know if I'm walking in the spirit? Well, you inspect the fruit. You examine the evidence. You examine uh, the uh, product of your lifestyle. Now, Paul's going to talk about two types of fruit. Everybody still with me this morning? Uh, two types of fruit that he's going to mention. First, he's going to mention the fruit of the flesh. And I want you to see what the fruits of the flesh are. Notice it in verse number 19. He says, now, the works of the flesh are manifest. Manifest meaning made known. We know what the works of the flesh are. Uh, they are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And he says, and such like, to tell us that this list is not an exhaustive list. He says, basically, I can go on. He's giving examples of different uh, uh, sins or fruits of the flesh. Now, uh, for our study this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to divide these uh, sins into three categories uh, to help us remember and understand them. The first category is uh, sexual sins or sensual sins. If you notice all of those sins that were mentioned, those works of the flesh in that first verse, uh, they're all sins that are sensual. He says, he says adultery. That is a married individual that breaks the marriage covenant between God and your spouse. And when you step outside of that boundary, that's adultery. He says then next, fornication. Fornication is any sexual activity outside of the context of marriage. And so even if you are single or you're married, any sexual activity is fornication. Uncleanness, that means a filthy heart, uh, wrong thoughts, a dirty mind, uncleanness. And then he says the word lasciviousness, and that's not a word that we typically use often, but lasciviousness means debauchery. It means having no shame. And I thought about that this week, and I thought that's exactly where our culture is headed, if not is already there, that we're living in a place where there's no shame. It's no longer wickedness. It's no longer sin. It's just kind of a joke. It's no big deal. Hey, just kind of loosen up a little bit. And as a nation, we've lost our ability to blush over sin. It's no longer wickedness. Now it's just, hey, just come on. See, the devil knows if he can get you to laugh at it, then he can desensitize you to sin. And so there is lasciviousness, there is uncleanness, there's fornication, there's adultery, all of these sexual sins. Many times in Paul's writings, he would list off sins like this. Uh, many times he would kind of make a list. And typically at the forefront of the list, he would include sexual sins to give a grave and sober warning uh, for sexual activity outside of God's design. Kevin DeYoung put it this way. He said, you would be hard pressed 
defines sin more frequently, more uniformly, and more seriously condemned in the New Testament than sexual sin. See, we live in a sex-crazed culture. If you look at the statistics, even on pornography, the average age that a child sees pornography is 11 years old, and many times it's much earlier. And that pornography industry is then fueling sex trafficking industry, which is a $150 billion global industry. We live in a nation that is sex crazed, and Paul is saying that is a work of the flesh. That is something that must be avoided. If you want to get victory over sexual temptation, you've got to walk in the spirit. And so he lists sexual sins, and then he's going to list superstitious sins. Because notice it, he, he mentions idolatry, he mentions witchcraft, and he's talking about uh, all of our attention being consumed with something uh, that is taking the rightful place of God in our lives. Blaise Pascal put it this way, there is nothing so abominable in the eyes of God and of men as idolatry, whereby men render to the creature that honor which is due only to the creator. When we start to say, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm being infatuated with the things of this world and the creation, we've drifted from worshiping the creator to now the creation. And so Paul says we've got to avoid that. That's a work of the flesh. And then the third category is this, social sins. Now he's going to talk about relationally uh, the works of the flesh. He, he lists off many things. He lists off hatred, variance, which means strife, emulations or jealousies, wrath, uh, envying, murders. These are all social sins, relational sins. These are all indications that you are not walking in the spirit, but that you are satisfying the flesh. And then he gives one more grave warning. I want you to see it. Everybody with me? Notice what he says in verse 21. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, he said the list could go on, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that verse should make us pause for a second. That verse should, should make us take a step back and, and ponder some things because that's a very sobering warning. Now, what Paul is not saying is if you have done something like this or if you are currently doing something on this list, uh, that you're not going to go to heaven. Because if that were true, then none of us would qualify because we all have sin in our hearts, right? If that were true, then none of us would be able to go to heaven. But what he's saying is this, is if you continually satisfy the flesh and you follow after these things without repentance, that is good evidence that you've truly never accepted Christ as your Savior. And that you're not a Christian. If you can live a lifestyle that's void of repentance and you can kind of, I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm going to live in lasciviousness and uncleanness. I'm going, to, I'm going to do all of these things. And you do not repent, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, this is what he says in another place. And this is good news. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 10. He's listing off another list just like in Galatians 5. And he says, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Again, another sobering warning. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says this good news. And such were some of you. Such were some of you. But now you are washed. But now you are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. I'm thankful today that I have been washed and that I have been cleansed and that I have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. It's out with the old and in with the new. Is anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that was spilled for you and for me so that we could say such were some of you. I'm thankful that it was in the past tense. And now we can walk in freedom. Hey, that's what the message of Galatians is all about. Free for all. We are no longer slaves to our sin and slaves to shame. We can walk in the freedom that Christ has granted to us. And so we list off the works of the flesh. 
And I believe that it would be wise for us to take a look within and to take a look at the product that we are producing in life. Am I, am I manifesting the works of the flesh? And if we are, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we have to have a fruit inspection, the, the fruit of the flesh. But then he's going to list the fruit of the spirit. Okay, so here's the second category, the fruit of the spirit. Now, all throughout scripture, we see different examples of positive spiritual fruit. Uh, different kinds of fruit that are, that are positive. Uh, one example is in Romans chapter 1, verse 13. Paul said, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was led uh, hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. And so Paul's talking here about people that were saved, people that were saved as a result of the ministries and the churches that he started. And he referred to those people as spiritual fruit. He said that I can have some fruit abounding among you also. And so what that means is if you've ever invited someone to Jesus Christ or you've ever led someone to Christ or you've invited someone to church, guess what? That is fruit that abounds to your account. And that's a wonderful thing. Uh, Daniel earlier today was talking about generosity and how we believe uh, that that God wants us to be a generous people and that we can give cheerfully. And when we do that, it's fruit that abounds to our account. When you give to the local church, when you give to missions, Paul said in Philippians, not that I desire a gift, but that I desire fruit that may abound to your account. And so that's spiritual fruit. Everybody tracking so far? And so there's different kinds of spiritual fruit that we see in scripture. Now, Warren Wiersbe, he gives this quote that offers is a, a helpful distinction, I believe, that I think is important for us to make note of. He says this, it is important that we distinguish the gift of the Spirit, which is salvation. Okay, so the first gift is when you got saved, when you trusted in Jesus Christ, you, you received the gift of the Holy Spirit of God, okay, at, at the moment of salvation. But then he says, and the gifts of the Spirit, which have to do with service. And so we've talked about this before in Romans chapter 12. It lists uh, the gifts, the spiritual gifts. And if you've ever been through growth track, we've talked about the spiritual gifts. If you're on a dream team, we talk about the spiritual gifts, how God has equipped us and enabled us to serve him with giving us uh, gifts. And so there's the gift of the spirit happens at salvation. Then he gives us gifts that we can use to serve him. And then he lists the third category from the graces of the spirit which relate to Christian character. And so you have the gift of the Holy Spirit happens at salvation. You have the gifts of the Holy Spirit that you can use to serve God. And now we have the graces of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the evidences of the Holy Spirit working in your life uh, that have to do with Christian character. And so what we're reading in Galatians chapter five, we're talking about the graces of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so let's look at them now that we have a distinction of what they are. Verse 22, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, or or self-control. Against such, there is no law. And so he lists off the fruit of the Spirit. And these are uh, very familiar verses in Scripture, famous verses about the fruit of the Spirit. But one word of caution I would give is sometimes what we do is we will take the fruit of the Spirit And we will turn that into a checklist or a to-do list of things that we have to do better at. What we will do is we'll say, okay, here's the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, I've got to be more loving. I've got to have more peace. I've got to have more joy. I need to work on being gentle. I really need to work on being, having self-control. And so we kind of make, make it into a to-do list and a checklist because that's kind of what our religious minds want to do. We, we want to have a list of things that we need to do and things that we shouldn't do. Just like the churches at Galatia wanted to make a list of things that were required for salvation. But we have to remember that the fruit of the Spirit is not a to-do list. It's a fruit list. 
That means it's a byproduct of when you are walking in the Spirit and on a daily basis when you're reading God's Word and you're praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then watch how these things will be naturally evidenced in your life because it's a fruit. A fruit is a byproduct. And this is what we have to remember. Uh, John chapter 15, Jesus put it this way. He said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide. By the way, the word abide means to remain. And that's what Jesus wants from you, to remain in him, to cultivate a real relationship and to stay with him, to stay close. I'm not going to drift off over here, you know, just like the hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. God wants us to remain and to abide with him. He says, abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth and remaineth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Did you catch that last phrase? For without me, you can do nothing. And so it's not about trying harder. It's not about making a bigger list. It's not about willpower. It's about abiding in Christ and seeking to be filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. And then you will bear and manifest fruit in your life. Because fruit is a byproduct. Hudson Taylor put it this way. Uh, the branch of the vine does not worry and toil and rush here to seek for sunshine and there to find rain. No. It rests in the union and communion with the vine. And at the right time and in the right way is the fruit found on it. Let us so abide in the Lord Jesus. Stop trying to manufacture fruit in your life and let Jesus produce in you the fruit that only he can produce. And so there's the, the, the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. By the way, in order to have fruit that can flourish, it needs to be in the right climate. Fruit needs to be in the right environment. You know, there are some uh, fruit trees that will not grow in Southern California because in the winter season they'll freeze and they just won't flourish, they won't prosper. And there are many people uh, that do not find themselves bearing forth spiritual fruit because they have not planted themselves in the right environment, in the right climate. You notice the people that have great spiritual fruit in their lives and they're thriving, it's because they have determined to plant themselves in the right climate. They have determined, you know what, I'm going to surround myself with God's people. I'm going to get plugged into a small group. I'm going to get plugged into dream team. I'm going to make sure that I'm putting myself in the right climate so that I can bring forth fruit. Uh, the Bible puts it this way in Psalm 1 verse number 3, and he shall be like a tree. Talking about the blessed man. How many of you today would say, you know what, I'd like to be blessed. I'd like to experience joy and happiness that only comes from the Lord. Anybody like that? You want to be blessed? Okay, for all four of you that want to know that, uh, listen to this verse. And he shall be like a tree planted. Everybody say planted. Planted by the rivers of water in the right place. Planted by the rivers of water. And that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Why did he bring forth fruit? Because he was planted by the rivers of water. When you are planted, you will be productive. And I just want to encourage you today, if you want to produce good fruit, determine to get planted in Christ. Determine to get rooted in Christ. Say, you know what? I'm not going to drift out into the world. I'm going to get planted in the house of God. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to put myself in the right environment. I'm going to get planted in the house of God. And I'm going to get planted where God has called me. And so we have to deal with the source. Get in alignment with the spirit. We have to have a fruit inspection. And here's the third thought today. Number three, and we'll be done. Remember the good news. Anybody ready for some good news today? Because we all battle the flesh. We all have this war within. But the good news is, is we can get victory. I want, I want us to see it in verse number 24. And they that are Christ's, if you belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. See, when you got saved, your old nature died to sin. 
When you got saved, you were saved from the penalty of sin. Anybody thankful for that, that you don't have to go to hell? You can go to heaven when you die. You were saved from the penalty of sin. You were also saved when you got saved from the power of sin. The Bible says in Romans 6 that sin shall not have dominion over you. And when you get to heaven, you will be saved even from the very presence of sin because we will be in heaven with Jesus and our glorified bodies forever and ever. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Our flesh was crucified. And so here's the good news today. You ready for it? Number three, remember the good news. Here it is. Sin remains, but it no longer reigns. Here on earth, sin remains, but it no longer reigns. Yeah, we're going to battle sin. Sanctification is a lifetime process. It remains, but it no longer reigns. And that's a message that someone needs to hear today. Because maybe the devil has tempted you to think that you're never going to get victory over that sin. That you're never going to win the battle against your flesh. That you're never going to see spiritual victory. And that relationship is never going to come to fruition. And you're just never going to be successful in the Christian life. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Because sin remains, but it no longer reigns. I love what the Bible says in Romans 5 or 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Who is that one man's offense? Who is that man? It's Adam. In the garden when Adam chose to partake of the fruit and we see the fall of man and the curse that was put on man. For if by one man's offense, Adam, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ, the second Adam, the true and the better Adam. And and, and there's a phrase in that verse that is so powerful that we can reign, and I want you to see it, in life. He's not just talking about heaven when we will be with Jesus forever and ever. He's saying that we can reign in life. That's here and now on earth that we can get victory over sin. Can I tell you today that sin remains, but it no longer reigns, that we can reign in this life. Somebody needs to hear today that sin shall not have dominion over you, that you can get victory over the flesh, that you can experience spiritual freedom in Jesus Christ. This is the good news, that our flesh is crucified with Christ. And nevertheless, I live. We can live the life that God has called us to live in spiritual freedom because of what Jesus has done for us. Romans 6 says this. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive. Everybody say alive. Alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. D.L. Moody was speaking to a large audience one time and he held up a glass like this. This is plastic, but he held up a glass cup and he asked the audience, he said, if I wanted to suck all the air out of this cup, if I wanted to get all the air out, how would I do it? And many people were shouting out answers and somebody said, attach it to a pump and suck all the air out so it'll have no air in it. And they were were offering all of these suggestions. And then D.L. Moody grabbed a pitcher And he took that cup and he started to fill it. And he said, there, now all the air is removed. And D.L. Moody went on to say that if you want to get victory over sin and the flesh in your life and you want to win within, it's not about sucking out the sin here and there and trying to get victory here and there. It's about being filled with something else. 
It's about being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And I came to tell somebody today, it's not about trying harder in your own strength. It's not about your willpower. It's not about making another list. It's about being filled with the Holy Spirit of God because you are no match for your flesh and you are no match for sin, but your flesh is no match for the power of the Holy Spirit. And so today you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Be filled. Ask him to fill you on a daily basis. I want to read one more verse today as I read it. Would you join me in standing this morning? But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You will receive power. Everybody say power. You will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You can have power to get the victory, to win within. You know, when the ground uh, beneath the surface starts to shift dramatically, what will happen is the soil will actually cave in. It's what we call a sinkhole, when the ground will just cave in. And sinkholes can be very large at times. They can be very dangerous. And there was a sinkhole that took place in Bowling Green, Kentucky, back in 2016. And the unfortunate place that this took place at was at the National Corvette Museum. And so everything was looking normal, looking fine. And then there was a shifting beneath the surface, beneath the soil. And all of these model Corvettes just crashed beneath the surface. But I want you to know is everything looked fine on the outside. But there was a shifting that was taking place beneath the surface. Maybe you walked in here today and you were smiling and everything looks great on the outside. But beneath the surface, there is a shifting. Beneath the surface, there is a war that is waging. And I want you to know you can get victory in that war. You, you can win within. Yes, sin remains, but it no longer reigns. And we can get victory through the name of Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans 7, man, I keep doing the things that I don't want to do. And the things that I know that I should do, I don't do them. How am I going to win this battle? How am I going to be rescued from my flesh? And he says, thank God I have a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. Anybody thankful for the name of Jesus Christ? Hey, let's sing it out. Let's lift up the name of Jesus. It is a name that is above every other name. Let's worship him today as we close. Sing it out this morning.